Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Praise or Well, I appreciate uh, Brother Dave Rimmer filling in for me on the last uh, two of the last three weeks, I guess. And uh, it's been a real blessing. And, and I know you've enjoyed it. Praise God. Hallelujah. But uh, anyway, tonight we're going to get back to our study of Christian child raising. Amen. Parenting, I should say. And um, <clears throat> last time we got into the edge of just some uh, practical applications. Uh, and, you know, the scripture says in James chapter 2 that without faith... Uh, our uh, Hebrews says without faith it's impossible to please God. And then in James it says that faith without works is dead. Or like uh, other translations say, works corresponding actions. Faith without corresponding actions uh, would be dead. Well, you know, we've talked a lot about faith for your children. Believing God for your children, believe, you know, how to exercise faith for your children's salvation and so forth. But there has to be and we pointed out the fact that it's not, uh, you know, you don't have to be a perfect parent to qualify. God's grace and mercy is there if you make mistakes because everyone makes mistakes. And Pastor Angela and I made mistakes in raising our children, but we stayed in faith. And when we realized we were wrong, we were quick to repent and to correct it. Uh, and, and God's grace and mercy was there for us. And God honored our faith. On the other hand... Uh, it is important how you actually apply the things of the Bible and what you do concerning your children. And, uh, you know, you can undo your faith by wrong actions. And so you, there, there's, a, there's a, uh, a, uh, an appropriate mix of faith and corresponding actions. You really have to have them both. And so last time we got into some, just into the area of some practical things, and I'm going to go back over those tonight. Uh, for a couple of reasons. I'm going to go back over, though, because we just had really had gotten started uh, in it. Uh, and so I'm, I'm going back over it because I, I, there will no doubt be somebody here tonight that wasn't here uh, Wednesday night two weeks ago and will not have heard it. And the other reason I'm going over it is for the sake of those that, you, that did hear it, I want you to hear it again. Because these things are important. And uh, these things need to be talked about. Because I'm very frank in, uh, in, in dealing with these issues and, uh, and talking about uh, the, the things that parents need to do to, uh, to substantiate what they believe. And you, you put faith and, and the word into your children, but sometimes parents undo their faith by uh, some of the things we're going to talk about tonight. And so these are areas in which uh, we need to be diligent. The first thing I talked about was dealing with attitudes. And this is at the top of my list because I think it, it, is, it is the most important thing in raising children is monitoring uh, their attitudes and making sure that they have good attitudes. Uh, the Bible says in, in 1 Samuel 15, 23 that rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And if you know anything about the Bible... And we might even look at the scripture if we get this far tonight. Uh, the Bible says that uh, those who practice witchcraft were to be put to death in the Old Testament. Uh, 
So that, that adds a lot of weight to the statement that rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. God will not tolerate rebellion from us. When we're in rebellion, the blessing of God stops. Amen? Well, we need to make sure that our children uh, stay free from rebellious attitudes. And it comes in a lot of, uh, a lot of different forms. Uh, talking back to parents should never be allowed. Now, I'm, gonna, I'm going in tonight, through going through these practical things, I'm going to tell you what Pastor and Angela and I did where our children were concerned. And, uh, you know, I'll back up what I'm saying with the scripture, but we all know that we have to apply the scripture in our lives as God gives us wisdom and, and direction. And so I'm not setting myself up as, and, and what we did as the law. On the other hand, we have two children who uh, uh, grew up, you know, we had our challenges, challenges with them along the way, but nothing real serious. And uh, they've always lived for God. They were born again and spirit-filled very, very young in life. And uh, uh, we have two sons, two daughter-in-laws, all love God, saved, filled with the Spirit, speak with other tongues, believe in healing and authority and faith and, and uh, so forth. They're all involved in, in ministry in one way or another. Of course, Pastor Greg and Miss Amy, you know, around here, they're involved. Our oldest son, uh, he and his wife are, are uh, uh, heavily involved in the ministry of helps in their church. And so uh, we did something right. And I'm um, sort of like the Apostle Paul, you know, when he was teaching on uh, marriage and, and certain things, you know, he, he gave uh, certain instructions. He said, well, you know, this is not the commandment from the Lord. This is me saying this. But he said, uh, I believe I have the Holy Ghost. And he said, I am one whom the, jo- whom the Lord has judged trustworthy in these things. And so I, I submit to you our lives and the outcome of, uh, of our faith and, and our practice. We never allowed talking back, period. It appalls me when I find, when I hear uh, children answering back in disregard of their parents at any age. We absolutely did not tolerate that, any form of that. Uh, with our children, uh, even before they could talk, make a noise back. Is talking back. And uh, we didn't tolerate that. We, uh, we, they knew right away that, that that was not going to be allowed. And so we didn't deal with that when they got uh, older, when they were in their teenage years. Uh, we didn't have a, a lot of problems with that because we laid the, the foundation and established the, the, uh, the rules of the game, game early on. We've had parents sometimes say th- things to us like, well, you know, they'll be talking about their teenagers, difficulties. And we've actually had people say, well, you know, I, I know you know what I'm talking about. You know, you had teenage uh, kids too. And we've had to say, no, no, we don't know what you're talking about. Not from the standpoint of experience and what you're going through. We didn't go through that because uh, we trained our children better than that. And so uh, uh, don't allow your children to talk back to you. Because that is, see, you are the voice of authority. God has set it up that parents have authority over the children. Children, by nature, are subservient and, and yielded to and follow the directions of their parents. That, that, is, that is a natural inclination. 
And of course, they learn otherwise by the dictates of their flesh, but you have to stop it. Amen. And uh, like I said, we just, we just never, we never permitted that. And it's the parent's responsibility. Uh, all sorts of outbursts, acting out, throwing fits. You know, just when, the, when a child doesn't get its way. You know, from the, from the youngest of age, you say, well, you know, how soon did you start disciplining children? You, well, you know, when, a, when, a, when you have a newborn, that newborn uh, doesn't, isn't reacting, you know, the way it reacts out of anger or, or anything like that for a little while. But it doesn't take long before that little bundle of joy, you know the difference. You know the difference when they're just crying because they're, they're upset or they're hungry or something, but when it turns to, to a display of anger, you, you know the difference. It happens real young. You have to discipline them in an appropriate way. You have to let them know that that's not allowable. Amen. They're, they're not too, uh, how young? As, as young as the, as the flesh manifests itself. That's when you deal with it. Because when you're gonna put it off for how long? You're just delaying the day. No, we didn't allow our children to pitch fits and, and, and act out and do things like that. Not that they didn't try it. Our kids were just as, like anybody else's children and, uh, and they tried just about everything. And, uh, and, we, and we put their rebellion down. We didn't allow it. Uh, we didn't allow pouting when uh, instructions were given that they didn't like. We didn't let them pout about it. I've seen parents, you know, uh, you know, just tell their children, now you are gonna do so-and-so or you're not gonna do so-and-so and that's all there is to it. And, and I've seen children just go and sit. Just sit there. You know, putting out the, you know, the lip and just sitting there. You know, that's not good enough. Yeah, they're submitting to you physically, but they're saying on the inside, I'm still doing what I wanna do. And so we, we never allowed pouting. We didn't allow sulking. All of that is manifestations of a rebellious attitude. Well, amen, some of you are in agreement, but the rest of you can get in agreement. Uh, we required our, our children to respect authority, not just in us, of course in us. They, we required them to, to be respectful uh, of their parents, of God and the things of God, the church. And, uh, you know, I talked about this uh, uh, last time that particularly as children get a little bit older in their teenage years, a lot of times they'll, they'll try to put on a display uh, where church is concerned. And you, how do you know the difference? I can tell you this, you will not be successful in raising your children for God unless you pray in the Holy Ghost. A lot. You'll know things supernaturally about your children that you won't learn or know any other way. God will reveal things that you need to, to pray about and attitudes that, that, that go sometimes uh, under the radar that they mask. You need to know about it. And sometimes the Holy Spirit will just alert you to pray and you don't know what it is. But it's important to pray those things out. Uh, you cannot uh, just accept everything your children say to you concerning church as evidence that they are, uh, that they love God and that they really embrace 
uh, the things that you want them to embrace. Because like I said, they can, they can, uh, they can put on some things sometimes. And you need to know that. You need to give serious weight to your youth leaders' warnings or concerns about your young people, your children, and particularly your teenagers. Uh, you know, we've had, we've had uh, times when parents have gotten angry because a youth leader came to them and said, you know, I, I, need, to, I need to talk to you about something. Do you know that your son or your daughter is doing such and such? And you have to understand that it takes quite a bit for a youth leader to do that because they risk blowing their cover. You see, the, the youth leader uh, and, and, the, and the whole team, the staff, they're there to be someone that your teenagers can relate to. We all know that, that uh, teenagers need somebody else besides their parents uh, to point them in the right direction. And it's good for them to have other role models, other adults that they can look up to. That's why we have a teen ministry. That's why we have a youth ministry. We want, and the youth leaders do everything they can to stay uh, current so that they stay youthful-minded. I know PG was, was uh, instructing some of the, uh, the workers in his department one time, some of, the, some of the volunteers. He said, some of you, he said, I'm older than all of you guys, and some of you guys act like you're 20 years older than you are. You come in here with the youth, now you've matured, you know, you're not a, a teenager anymore, and you come in here and you're just kind of real, you know, you're just not very cool, you're not very young acting, you act like old fuddy-duds. That's what he said. He said, he said, I intentionally play certain video games. When I find out that the teenagers are playing them, he said, I search them out and I play them and I get good at it. He said, I'm not really interested in them, but I know they are. And so I try to find out what they're interested in and I try to keep myself uh, 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 educated and keep myself uh, relatable to them. And so they need to feel like they can confide in their, in their uh, youth pastor. So they'll talk about things that they won't talk to you about. He's not going to run and tattletale, you know, on, over every little thing like that. If the youth leader comes to you about something, it has to be pretty serious. Because believe me, they hear a lot of things. They hear teenagers say a lot of things and they're, they, they're not going to tell the parents, you know, they just... You can always count on the youth leaders in our church. They will always point the teenager back to you. They will never undermine your authority. They will never side with the teenager against you ever. They always say, no, you do what your parents say. And, 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 and if it's something that they perhaps don't even understand, they still say, no, this is what your parents have taught you. This is what you do. They always support you. You can count on that. But a lot of times the teenagers, you know, will just uh, uh, talk to them and, and uh, counsel with them and confide in them. And they need to have somebody like that they can talk to. So the, on, the, on the few occasions where uh, Cindy, cool, when she was a youth leader or when uh, Pastor Greg, on the few occasions they've had to go to a parent because it was something that they felt like they would be negligent if they didn't tell the parent about this. The parent needed to know because there was something serious going on. Sometimes the, the parent then would turn around to their youth and say, well, Pastor Greg told me about so-and-so and he's going, never occurred to me to, not to, to tell them not to blow my cover. 
You just ruined my credibility with your teenager. I told you this in confidence. You're supposed to be real cool about this. Don't let them, don't let them know you got it from me. Are you following me? And so uh, uh, the, the, the youth leader is there to be a blessing, but if he sees something uh, that's really serious, you need to take serious note of it and, and consider that uh, there must be some justifications uh, for why the youth leader is coming to you. Uh, school is the same thing. We talked last week about giving serious weight to a teacher's warning or something your teacher uh, is charging your child with. We had good children. When our, when our kids were growing up, we had good boys. Now, they were just like anybody else. They had, uh, they had to grow through phases of, of you know, flesh and, and things that they wanted to do wrong, just like anybody else. But we, we didn't think we had a couple of delinquents on our hand. We, we weren't concerned that our boys were bad boys or anything like that. But if, if there ever came a note home from school we didn't, we didn't let the boys tell us, our sons tell us their side of the story and then side in with them. Yeah, you know, it sounds like that teacher really, really has it out for you. That's just so unfair the way, no, 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 no. That, that, would, have to be, that would have to be proven. We immediately took the teacher's side. So, you know, you, you didn't trust your sons. I, I have enough sense to realize that a, that a 30-year-old is more mature than a 10-year-old. And it's more likely that the 30-year-old is seeing the whole picture and the 10-year-old isn't. Even though I loved my kids and I knew they were great kids, uh, I knew they were still 10-year-olds 10 10 year or whatever the age was. And so we always gave serious weight to the, children, uh, to the teacher's recommendation. They need to, they need to respect school leaders. They need to, you need to insist that they respect leaders wherever, whether at school or at church. They need to respect their pastors. They need to respect the pastoral staff. They need to respect the other leaders in the church, the other adults in the church. Amen. I've, I've wondered sometimes the way some children have acted uh, around us over the years. I've just had to, to uh, it's made me suspicious. Well, what, you know, what has your dad and mom been saying at home about uh, maybe something they disagreed with in the church or a church leader because they showed such disrespect for, for, for those in authority? Makes you wonder. You know, I've said before, you should always uh, present your, your pastor the youth pastor, the department director, you should always present them in the best light where your child is concerned because they, they need to have respect for those offices because there could just come a day when the only person that can reach your dying child is someone from the church and if you've undermined their, their respect because of the things that you've said, what have you done? You can cost your child some serious uh, troubles that way. They need to be respectable, respectable of, uh, and respect law authorities, the police. You know, most, most policemen are, uh, and, and law, officer are, law officers are good people and they're doing the best they can and they're trying to do right. Yeah, you know, there, there are some bad apples out there. There are some bad apples uh, in any profession. But by and large, uh, that's not the case. They need to learn to respect uh, those who are in authority. When my boys were real small, I would uh, always 
if a policeman came by close, I would always have them, you know, wave to the, in fact, we went to, uh, uh, Pastor Greg and I took his two little boys, uh, to, uh, the Itchtuckney to go tubing on Tuesday. And, uh, we were sitting there in the park having lunch and a sheriff was making his rounds, you know, and when he came up to where we were, I made sure the boys waved to him, you know, and, and, and I, it's, it's, you need to develop that in your children. They need to know that they can look to people for help if they need it. Then uh, I don't know if I got, did I get into media last time? Uh, let's talk about media a little bit, all forms of media. It is your responsibility, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna say this and I want you to, to you might wanna write this down. It is your responsibility as the parent to monitor and screen everything your child sees and hears. It is your responsibility as the parent to monitor and screen everything your child sees and hears. That's the truth. When it comes to, to uh, the kind of music they listen to. Pastor Greg recently told me about going to somebody's house uh, to visit them. You know, as a teenager in the church and he went over to visit them and... Uh, he said, he went into their room and the artwork on the walls were from albums of music so-called artists that were about as bad as you can imagine. And he picked up the CDs that the, laying around that, the, that this teenager was, was listening to and it was some of the most vulgar, uh, violent, just, just the most despicable lyrics you can imagine. And this was obviously the stuff that this kid listened to. This, this boy's mother had no clue. Oh, I didn't know. I, you know I, listen, I know you can't stand listening to the stuff, but you gotta listen to it. Amen. You have to know what your kids are listening to. And, and uh, it might not be pleasant. It might not be the style of, of, of noise that you want to listen to. But you, gotta, you have to listen to this. You have to know. When they go to sleep, you, you, you look around and see, you know, what's in their backpack. What are they listening to? Amen. You mean snooping on your children? Absolutely. Absolutely. They're your children. Amen. Uh, what they watch on TV. I don't know if we had, did the boys have a TV in their room when they were a little older? I, we didn't let them watch TV on their own unless it was something that we monitored. We knew what they were watching. Uh, there's a lot of stuff on TV that your kids have no business looking at. I, I remember when our oldest son was about, uh, I don't know, he might have been seven or eight. Uh, I noticed in the backyard, we had a, uh, we lived in Jacksonville and I noticed along the back fence, there was like a, uh, about a 10 foot easement, like power company easement. I think it was gas lines or something back there. And I, and I noticed Steve and, and another little boy in the neighborhood acting real peculiar out there. Like they were hiding something. I went out there and they had a penthouse magazine. He was about eight years old. Now, do you think for a minute I'm going to let my, my child, eight years old, look at a penthouse magazine? Or 18? 
Say, so you, you, you control things? Absolutely. I would not permit that. And I, and I brought him in and I said, now, son, this is wrong to look at. And I didn't call it adult material. This isn't, I said, this is wrong at any age. I don't look at this stuff. You're not looking at this stuff. And uh, that's the end of that. Yes, we have to monitor and screen everything that comes before our children's eyes and into their ears. Uh, the internet, obviously. You need to have controls on your internet access that uh, limit what your children can explore. And uh, what about at, your friend, at their friends' homes? Do you know if their friends' parents have controls? Do you know what goes on uh, when your child goes to somebody else's house? You, you need to know your... Fr- Listen, this is a, a mixed-up world today. And parents that don't know God and some parents who do have no idea what their children are into and what they're being exposed to. And it can, and it can ruin their lives. And so you have to stay on top of that. Uh, movies, obviously. Video games. You know, what are you, what are you playing? Let, let, me, let me play that with you a little while. What's the, what are the images in this video game? These things are important. Uh, did you know that just because you have, uh, you know, limits on the internet and what kind of stuff your kids can, can uh, search at the internet, do you know if they have a smartphone, they can still get on the internet? You know, uh, what are you doing about that? Or do your children have access to a smartphone? Now, I have a, uh, I have a Nook e-reader sold by Barnes & Noble Amazon has the uh, Kindle. Of course, Apple has the iPad. All of those e-readers, maybe your children have some or their friends have some. They, if they have 3G capability, they can surf the internet on there and, and look at anything that's out there. You need to be aware of these things. You need to be monitoring these things. What kind of books they read, magazines they, they look at. Uh, you know, children, when they're... When, when, they reach a certain age, they'll try to sneak around and hide things. Anybody remember when you were their age? Did you sneak around and try to hide things? Absolutely. And uh, uh, my, I can say now, my mother should, now my dad was killed when I was 11 years old at a, in a freak accident at home, and, and my mother, uh, she didn't do a very good job when I was a teenager monitoring what I did. And I lied a lot. And I, and I got away with it simply because she was so naive that she, she grew up, you know, in uh, uh, pre-World War II times, you know, and, and she and my dad got married right after World War II. And they lived in a, in a, in a completely different world than uh, what existed a, a few years later when the uh, youth quake that rocked America in the 60s and spread around the world. When, when it took place, our nation uh, uh, launched a social experimentation that has just, it, it, the fruit is terrible. It's all around us. And, uh, and so my mom just had no idea what was going on because in the, in the 30s and 40s, you know, teenagers didn't, they weren't getting to the things that, the kind of things that I was getting into. When I was a, a teenager, there was a, a, a rock band in uh, Jacksonville 
called the second coming. And there were two members of this rock band. I know uh, Ted knows about this. There were two members of this rock band that uh, later joined some others and became the Almond Brothers band. And they used to play these gigs in, in Jacksonville and we would go to their concerts and, you know, do a lot of things we shouldn't do. And so my mother asked me one night, I knew she was, you know, at the limit of, you know, of exercising control, you know. She said, where are you going tonight? And I said, well, we're going to, to the beach, to a concert. What kind of concert? I said, oh, it's a group called The Second Coming. She said, oh, that's nice. She just envisioned we were going to a gospel sing or something. You, you have to be smarter than that. Amen. Amen? You, have to, you have to find out what's going on, what your teenagers are involved in. And, and listen, anything that's of an occult nature, books, movies, uh, TV, anything. In Isaiah chapter 8, let me, let me show you where I'm coming from. Go to Isaiah chapter 8. Isaiah 8, and look at verse number 18. Verse 18 says, Here am I and the children whom the Lord has given me. We are for signs and wonders in Israel from the Lord of hosts who dwells in Mount Zion. That's Isaiah 8, verse number 18. We are for signs and wonders. See, we believe in the supernatural. We believe in the supernatural power of God. Then he goes on to talk about a different kind of supernatural. And when they say to you, seek those who are mediums, those who have familiar spirits, and wizards who mutter, whisper and mutter, should not a, seek, a people seek their God? Should they seek the dead on behalf of the living? To the law and to the testimony, if they do not speak according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. And then turn with me over to Leviticus, Leviticus chapter 20, Leviticus chapter 20, and look at verse 26. And you shall be holy to me, for I, the Lord, am holy and have separated you from the people that you should be mine. A man or a woman who is a medium or who has a familiar spirit, they surely shall be put to death. They shall stone them with stones. Their blood shall be upon them. That tells you what God thinks of the supernatural that's outside of his realm. I personally have no place in my life for any kind of supernatural interest except the supernatural power of God. I'm not interested in wizards. I'm not interested, in, and, and I know people have come up to me and they've said this, you know, what's this, the, the books? Harry Potter, oh, they're, they're, they're harmless. It's just all fantasy. It's not harmless. They, they depict individuals that the Old Testament, it was clear, God said, put them to death. Again, I have, my children never watched anything like that. It had to do with a witch. I didn't even let them watch silly cartoons about ghosts. Casper the Friendly Ghost. You say, you say you're, you're just being hard. No, I have no room in my life for anything that's supernatural if it's not the supernatural power of God. And our children just did not view it. They grew up completely uh, 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 isolated from that. We never let our children watch uh, slasher movies. 
horror films. Why would you, why would you want, the Bible says God's not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Why would you want to scare your children to death? Fear is something that operates on the enemy's territory. And so we just, none of those things are profitable. I remember one time, Pastor Greg spent the night with, with the Morgans. He had, he had never seen a scary TV show. And there was some show on about a bear or something. Huh? Is Leslie back here? She's not. She's in one of the other rooms. There was something on about a bear or something. And, and PG snuck out of the bedroom and was looking down the hall as, as Mark and Leslie were watching that show and liked to scare him to death. I don't even know what it was. They talk about it still today. He had never seen anything scary in his life. And I think it was a bear or something. And uh, had some, you know, eerie sounding music. And oh man, he just, he was like, oh, you scared me to death. We laugh about that now. But uh, we were serious about that. Anything that's, that has to do with the occult, anything with occult powers, uh, my children never saw it. Uh, it's not healthy. Amen. Huh? Cartoons are full of that stuff. Magic and sorcery and all that sort of stuff. We screen all of that stuff. And, and, and our children do that today where their children are concerned. My grandchildren never watch that stuff. Because their parents realize it's not healthy. Uh, you know, that, it's just important. The associations your children have. This is a new category here. Who they associate with. You need to monitor closely. Uh, unsaved friends. You know, this is not the 1950s. And your neighbors are not the cleavers. And uh, it's just not the way it used to be. You have no idea what's going on in your neighbor's house. Just because they're, you know, normal looking doesn't mean that they have any standards where their children are concerned. And so uh, our children didn't hang out at other kids' houses unless we knew who they were. And see, your children, their, their closest friends need to be other church kids, that, that way you can trust uh, their homes because you know their parents, you know what they believe. Uh, unsaved friends, you, you need to regulate it. Even church friends sometimes can be a bad influence. Don't get quiet on me now. You've already quiet. There, sometimes church friends can be a bad influence. You have to be praying in the spirit. You have to know your, your children. You have to know their friends. And if you suspect that, uh, that one of their church friends is, is, is not a good influence on them, you need to separate them. Amen. It's the truth. The Bible says that evil uh, uh, companions corrupts good, something like that. How does, it, what, how does it go? Good morals, yeah. Evil communication or evil associations corrupt good morals. And, uh, and, and it's true. Your children can be affected by these things. We, we've had to have, sometimes we've had to have some certain children just not go in the youth department anymore. We've had to restrict them because they were such a bad influence on the other children there, the other teenagers there. Well, that's a terrible thing. You hate to do it, but, but we have to protect the youth group. You need to protect your children. 
uh, romantic involvement. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 6, 14, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. And so as your children get a little older and they start uh, getting interested in the opposite sex, we had a rule in our house. Soon as it came up, I mean, we, they didn't hear this when they were three because they weren't interested. But when, it, when they came of the age where they started uh, being interested in, in other girls at, at school at, at, or anywhere, we, ha- we had a rule. If, they, if they're not born again and filled with the Spirit, you can't go out with them. You can't date, you know, children don't go out, you know, young children. But, you know, go steady. They can't be your girlfriend and boyfriend. We didn't allow a whole lot of that anyway. Girls used to call the house sometimes. Well, they only did it once. And Pastor Angela would get on the phone. You know, she's kind of old-fashioned. And she'd get on the phone, and uh, one of the boys would be talking to a girl, you know, and that called the house. And so, uh, so Angela would get real close to the phone while, so that the girl certainly could hear it. Steve, you know I don't like girls that call boys. This better be about homework. You wonder if he ever, how he ever got married. He left home. <laughs> no, you know, uh, we, we, we didn't do everything right. And I'm not saying you have to be just like us. But on the other hand, I have two sons, two daughter-in-laws who, like I said, are spirit-filled and living for God. I've got grandchildren that are, that are saved and are spirit-filled and loving God. So uh, pay attention. But we had a rule that you, you, you cannot have a girlfriend, boyfriend. If we, if we had daughters, you cannot have uh, uh, romantic relationships with anybody you could not afford to marry. Can you marry this person? Are they serving God? Well, no. Well, then you can't play around in, in middle school then. And, 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 and have boyfriend, girlfriends. Well, you know, daddy, I'm not planning on marrying her. I just want to talk to her a little bit. You can talk, but you can't be boyfriend, girlfriend. Because you see, that, that sort of thing uh, grows over time. And eventually, you know, a teenager can, uh, uh, they'll start, they'll fall for somebody, they'll fall in love. And if you haven't set the, the ground rules, then you've got a real problem on your hand. We have a pastor friend right now that we've known for 20 years. And he's, you know, he's got, he's a, he's a, a Rama grad, member of RMAI. I've been close friends for years. And, and uh, they're dealing with a situation right now with their grown daughter. That's, I mean, she's, she's an adult woman. She's 20, 23, 24 years old. But uh, she has met a man who is a Christian, but he is vehemently against the baptism of the Holy Spirit, speaking with other tongues, women preachers, anything having to do, do with, with the move of the Spirit. He's, he's one of these real hardcore uh, uh, fundamentalist types, you know, that, that, that have this real hard... Uh, uh, line on, on, on Christianity and so forth and don't believe in anything having to do with the move of the spirit or healing miracles and she's fallen in love with this guy and they're getting married and, this, and this, these parents, these friends of ours they are so upset right now I mean they're in turmoil over this because they know she's about to make a tragic mistake she grew up with ministry 
She's ministered, you know, all since she was a little girl, she's been involved in ministry. And he's already said, when we get married, you're coming to my church and, you, and we're not getting involved in that stuff. And, and she knows it. She's going into this with her eyes wide open. And the parents are just so distraught because they know their daughter is marrying somebody she shouldn't marry. We've known other, we've had other pastors over the years that this one pastor told us, he and his wife, that her, their son was backslidden and uh, he met a woman that's, that's not serving God and fell in love and they got married. And this woman told us, she said, you know, at my son's wedding, it was, was their oldest son, at my son's wedding, you know, I was crying. And everybody thought that I was just crying, you know, as a tearful mother, you know, her son's getting married, you know, tears of joy. She said, I was crying because I knew he had married the wrong person. Well, they didn't lay the law down. They didn't have a policy when their children were young or that wouldn't have happened. Those things have been permitted over time and, and then you have that, that kind of a situation. It's serious. So we just told our, our sons, uh, you know, if they're not uh, girls that are born again and spirit-filled and, you know, there weren't a lot of spirit-filled girls at school. Honestly, there weren't. And uh, uh, sometimes they, they, they felt, uh, well, you know, kind of cheated. Well, what are we going to do, you know? I said, you believe God, God will provide a wife for you. And he did. When our oldest son went off to college, there was a youth group in um, Tampa that our, our youth group had been kind of associated with. And uh, we did, when, I, when our youth group, my, our youth group at that time consisted of one or two teenagers, and so it was hard to have much of a youth trip, you know, or a youth retreat or anything with one or two kids. And so this group in Tampa, they had a fairly, you know, large youth group compared to ours. And so they kind of took us in, you know, and whenever they would go on a ski trip, they would stop by here and pick up our kids and, and uh, uh, our, you know, our two youth would go with them to... Uh, Robbie was in that. He and Steve went on that bus ride to North Carolina that time. The bus ride that, the bus that broke down, we had to push up the, the ramp <laughs> up here at I-75 in Alancha. But anyway, uh, but when Steve went to college in Tampa, we went and set up his dorm room on a Thursday, got, left him on a Thursday, got it all situated, you know, and set up. And we left in the very, left on a Friday morning, I think. And that night, he was in that youth group in that church in Tampa. He eventually met his wife there. And uh, so God provided. Pastor Greg used to moan and groan, where am I going to meet anybody? And Pastor Andrew said, you believe her in. Put your faith out. Start confessing that, that God will send you a godly wife. And he did. And uh, when, when Miss Amy came to our church, she came because she was hungry for God. She was in a relationship with another young man that she needed, she needed to get out of that relationship. It wasn't going well. And uh, Cindy had ministered to her and she was born again and hungry for the things of God and spirit-filled. And she came to High Springs to, to, to start over and to, and to start a new life. She met Pastor Greg and he just fell head over heels. He came home one evening yeah, he came home one evening and fell across the sofa and said, I'm in love. <laughs> and, and Pastor Angela said, what are you talking about? That girl's how much older is she than him? Two and a half years older. And at that time, that was pretty significant. She's, you know, she, she's had a boyfriend that's, that's 25 years old. What's wrong with you? He was 18 
19. He said, I'm telling you, I'm in love. And, uh, you know, God provided. God provided. But we had a standard. And for me and Angela, uh, it's not enough that, it, that someone is born again. I want to know that they're full of the Holy Ghost. And they believe what we believe. How are you going to know? Well, you can't ask them. You, you think the sweet little thing is going to say, oh, yeah, I, I, I love the Lord, but not very much. <laughs> I'm really just interested in the things of the flesh. And, and your son is just so cute. I really want to make out with him. And that's about the end of it. <laughs> you think she's going to tell you that? No. You don't ask her if she loves the Lord. She's certainly going to tell oh, I love the Lord with all my heart. <laughs> no, you investigate. You find out. You pray in the Holy Ghost. This is, this is a time in your children's life where, where they may not appreciate it, your standards. There was a, a, a young man that I grew up with, a family that we grew up with in the church that uh, I was raised in. There was a man there, uh, or a teenager, and he was my brother's age. He and my brother were three years older than me. And when he was a teenager, uh, probably uh, 11th or 12th grade, he got into a relationship with a young woman, you know, just dating this girl and really fell in love with her, but she was not a Christian girl. And his mother just, when she found out about it, it was kind of going on, you know, uh, uh, she didn't know it. When she found out about it, she just laid the law down, said, you are not dating that girl and made him so angry. And of course, all the youth let their, you know, uh, they all got involved in it. And I, know, I remember my brother. It's just not right what Sister Burns is doing. It's just not right. But you know, Sister Burns held her ground. She said, you're not dating that young lady. Now you're gonna break it off. Either you break it off or I'll go to her. And, and she just didn't allow it. Some, some people would have thought, well, that's just, that's, I can't believe she'd do that. Well, she did it. But you know what? Sister Burns died just a year or two ago. And she was able, she lived long enough to see uh, this young, her son and his wife. He finally uh, found a good girl that was born again and spirit-filled. They've raised their children in church. She saw her children and, and grandchildren all serving God. You think it was worth it? It was absolutely worth it. Yeah, she wasn't real popular at the time. She wasn't, she wasn't real popular with her son. She wasn't real popular with any of the teenagers in the church. Everybody was opining about how terrible this was and how over the top this was and how she could do this. She just doesn't understand. And she took a lot of flack, but she stood her ground. And uh, because he respected his mother, because he had been raised to respect his mother, he broke it off. He didn't want to, but he broke it off. God provided the right person for him. Amen. You, you, it, it's important. Uh, not only unwholesome friends, but uh, there's a lot of parents that are unwholesome. A lot of adults need to monitor who your children are hanging out with and who they're talking to, saved and unsaved. Amen. Activities. It's another category. Involvement in the church's children's or youth group must not be negotiable. Involvement in the church's children's or youth group must not be negotiable. Never let your children, this is just my opinion, but never let your children opt out of any age-related class or service or program or activity. 
We have ministry that is age-related because we, we know that uh, children, uh, as they grow and develop, they need things put on their level. And uh, when children are small, particularly, they need things uh, taught to them, excuse me, in a way that they, that they can get the most out of it. Now, we also know that children need to see their parents in church. They need to know what goes on in, in big church. And so on Sunday nights, we, you know, we, we, we have children, except the real young ones, here in the auditorium. We have teenagers in here. There are some churches that have something for the kids every service. Children and teens, every service, they're out. We, I don't like that. I think they need to see what goes on, how the church worships God and, and the word that comes from the pastor. And yes, God is able, the Holy Spirit is able to take the word that is ministered in an adult service and he can filter that out even to a six-year-old and they'll get something out of it. But we have classrooms and we have uh, ministry that's tailored to them. They need to be there because it, it, it puts it, it not only puts the, the material on, that, on their level, it's, it uh, introduces them to a culture of other children or teens their age that's getting the same thing and they're involved in the culture of that group. So they need to participate. I, I could not imagine me ever telling my mom or dad, well, you know, I just don't want to go to the so-and-so. No, we were going. If, if there was something, if my, if my church had anything going for a group, you know, my age group, we were involved in it. And it paid off. Now, when we were teenagers, uh, you know, I, my story isn't the best story because my parents didn't know what I know today. They didn't know that they could believe God for me. And, and, to, and, and they didn't know they had the promise that if they did everything right, used their faith, that they, they could be sure that their child would grow up and never fall away from the Lord. Love God all during his, his early years and teenage years and live for God. They didn't know that. Like I said, to them, it was sort of a, a hit or miss thing. I had a guy on the phone, phone me, a man that... Uh, uh, called the church the other day and he said that he wanted to give the church $500,000. So Kendra took his name and his number and I called him and I said, so what's going on? You know, you called the office, what can I do for you? Well, he said, would you like to be the beneficiary of a $500,000 life policy? And I said, well, that depend on the, on the uh, conditions involved and the stipulations. So he said, well, you'd have to give $200,000 to, to this and $200,000 to that. And you could have $100,000 that you could spend any way you wanted to. And, and then he started going on about children and youth. And that was one thing. He wanted to give so much money to children and youth work. He said, because you know, the Bible says, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he'll not depart. Now that doesn't mean that, that, that uh, they'll always do right. But it means even if they get away from God, they'll come back one day. Just exactly what I've been telling you people believe. My parents thought that. So they were open to us backsliding. So my story's not the best story. But I'm gonna tell you what. We had a youth group. It was a large group, youth group. And we, we were not good kids because our parents, they put a lot of, of truth in us, but they didn't, they didn't use their faith. So we got involved very young in smoking, sex, drinking, and then uh, just as I was getting out of high school into drugs. 
And there were several in our youth group. We were all involved in this. And uh, even though as, a, as I, left my, I left my mom's home, I left home when I was 17 years old. And uh, I, was a, I was a dad before my 18th birthday. And so I was living on my own. I was living a, a, an ungodly lifestyle. I was a hippie. I completely bought in to the countercultural a counterculture uh, philosophy of life and, and so forth, uh, used drugs, sold drugs. Even that, though, even with that going on, there were certain things, and, and see, I, I hung around people that went to church with me. We were all, m- m- my best friend and I, we were both selling drugs. G- came up in church. But I'm going to tell you something that was different. Even though, even though we were in that kind of an atmosphere, there were certain things that were holy to us. We never blasphemed the name of Jesus. We, we always understood that the blood of Jesus was holy. Don't make fun of it. We always knew the Holy Spirit is holy. Don't, 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 don't be making fun of the Holy Spirit. And when I would be around other people who were outside of our culture, you know, other friends... My wife and I, we, we were young parents. We had another couple that uh, had not gone to, to church with us that we uh, had grown close to in school and, and uh, they had a young child and we used to spend a lot of time with them. And so there were a lot of people coming and going in our, in our lifestyle. I mean, our houses were like revolving doors. People just coming and going. And, and uh, anytime people would start making fun of Christianity because they didn't, you know, they, came, they didn't come from church backgrounds. And they start making fun about somebody being saved and how silly that was. I, I didn't like that. I never went along with that. So even though my parents didn't exercise faith and we got, into, we got into things we shouldn't have gotten into, because of the culture that I was raised in, the friends that were closest to me, we knew better than that. There were some restraints in our life because of where we came from, and we had friends that shared those same values. Even though we were drinking together, smoking pot together, do it, taking LSD together, even though we were doing that, we still, we still had these other things that we had in common. We knew where our limits were in our philosophy. It's important. It's important that your teenagers have a culture that consists of children who love God, who know the truth, and you have the ability to exercise your faith it should turn out a whole lot better. So we, you know, sometimes we'll see parents uh, come to church and their children will say, say it's a teenager, I don't want to go to the youth group. I just want to sit here. Mama, I just want to sit with you in church. I don't want to go to the youth group. I don't know anybody in the youth group and I don't really like it. I, I just really like the pastor. I just love you know what most of the time that is? Most of the time, that's a real sweet, syrupy form of rebellion. Because they know in the youth group, they're, they're, they're going to have to participate. And, it's, and it's, it's, uh, they can't just sit back, you know, with mom and, and uh, just, you know, play the game. They're going to be, they're going to, they're going to be put in a situation where, uh, the word is going to be presented to them and they're going to be expected to respond. They're going to be expected to raise their hands and worship God and, and, and understand the truth that everybody else is understanding. They don't want to participate in that. So I just stay with you, mom. I just stay in church with you. I just love the pastor. I get so much out of that. Oh, come on. 
Surely you're smarter than that. But no, it happens. So we never let our children opt out. You shouldn't let your children opt out of any age-related uh, ministry that goes on in this church, whether it's a fellowship, a part. I just, Pastor Greg will call parents sometime, you know, well, you know, such and such, you know, are they coming? Well, no, we asked them. They said they didn't want to come. They wanted to go to their, some other school friend's uh, party or house. Are you kidding me? We would never, don't allow that. Please don't allow that. May, your children need to be raised in, to understand that they belong to this church and these are the activities that are available to them and they need to participate in it. Because again, you want to, them to have that culture of these are their friends who understand what, what, what you understand as a parent. Believe what you believe. Amen. Uh, we never allowed extracurricular school activities uh, sporting events or anything, anything to routinely compromise attendance of church or children or youth activities. Now, there was an occasional time. There was an occasional time. Steve played football and tennis in high school. And there were one or two occasions during that time that something came up and we allowed him to do that on a Wednesday night rather than come to church. But we went to their coaches and said, listen, this is the way it is. We went to them and said, this is the way it is. Our son can go tennis practiced on Wednesday, but at six o'clock, we're picking them up. Now, if you got a problem with that, let's just find out now. Oh no, that'll be fine. But then as the season wore on, they wanted to change that a little bit. We had to come back and say, no, we had this conversation and I pick up the, my son at six o'clock and if I hear that he gets any grief from you because of it, you and I are gonna have a long talk. And we did have some talks like that. Uh, at some point, your children have to understand that first things are first. What's important is important. And church is more important than anything else, any other activity in life. Amen. Now, never ever, please, never restrict your children from ch children or youth events as punishment or discipline. We, we have parents sometimes that uh, their children, their grades are bad or they've talked back or done something. And uh, so they're, you know, they're doling out discipline. And one of the disciplines is, is uh, uh, putting a children on restriction. Well, that can be a good thing. I'm for that. You know, there are different ages. You do different things. But we would never think of restricting our children from going to youth meetings or a youth fellowship, or a party, or an outing, or a trip. See, I think sometimes parents go next door on Wednesday night before church, and they're all in there, the, the teenagers and the youth workers, they're just having fun, and the music's playing, and they're horsing around, and then they go over and pick them up after church, and the, you know, the uh, uh, youth video, music videos are blaring, and the kids are playing pool, and, and ping pong, and, and uh, air hockey, and they're playing video games, and everybody's just having a good time. I think a lot of times parents think, you know, that's what goes on over there. Just, it's just like a big fun time. What you don't understand is they have that before church starts and they have it after church starts. During church time, it's the word of God. They worship. They have services just like we do. They lift their hands and worship God. And, and Pastor Greg doesn't have the philosophy that a lot of uh, youth ministries have where they teach on peer pressure and dating and how to get along with your parents and peer pressure and dating 
and how to get along with your parents and peer pressure and dating and how to get along with, in some variation of that. Yeah, you cover those things from time to time, but what our youth ministry does, they, they put the word into these kids. Because you see, it's the word of faith, the authority of the believer, who they are in Christ. That's what dictates how they relate to peer pressure, how they relate to their parents, what, what they do in, in the dating situation. It's because of the word that goes into them. So why would you want to, to punish your child by keeping them out of the very thing that is a lifeline to them? It is not, even youth trips. Now, youth trips, there's a lot of fun. When the, when the youth go on retreats or they go to camp, there's a lot of fun. Teenagers have to have activities. It has to stay interesting. But the whole objective is, is, is the, the services that goes on. In the, that's the thing right there is getting the truth into them. So I think Stephen Morgan... Do you remember, Leah? I think he was on restriction the entire time he was in high school. I, I'm, not, I'm not kidding. I think, I think from the night, is that right, Laura? You, do you remember any of that? Were you friends? Well, you were friends with Stephen back then, weren't you? Yeah, he was like on restriction from the ninth grade through the 12th grade, constantly. He was always doing something and he'd get on restriction. And he stayed on receipt. He just stayed in his bedroom most of his high school years. He just couldn't do anything. But he was in church every service. He was in youth meeting every service. Every time there was a retreat, he was there. If there was a camp, he went. If there was a fellowship, he was there. You don't keep them out of the very thing that's, that, that's putting life into them, even though it might be fun. Take away something else. Yeah. Yeah, take away something else. There's plenty of other things that you can restrict. I, I would never restrict my children from going to a youth activity. I know I'm over a few minutes. Uh, I have some spanking scriptures, but I'll save those to another time. <laughs> but let me close by saying this. You will need wisdom raising your children. James 1, 5 says, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives liberally. You will need wisdom and God will give you wisdom where your children are concerned. Number two, help is always available by praying in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will alert you to things that no other earthly, there's no other earthly source of help like praying in the Holy Spirit, getting the mind of God. God can alert you to things that, that you, you, there's no other way you could know. And you can guide your child in the right way. And number three, Pray out your child's future by praying in the Spirit. Pray out their future. Don't just leave it to chance. Pray it out. Amen? Well, praise the Lord. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.